Welcome to the Hello Someday podcast, the podcast for busy women who are ready to drink less and live more. I'm Casey McGuire-Davidson, ex-red wine girl turned life coach, helping women create lives they love without alcohol. But it wasn't that long ago that I was anxious, overwhelmed, and drinking a bottle of wine a night to unwind. I thought that wine was the glue holding my life together, helping me cope with my kids, my stressful job, and my busy life. I didn't realize that my love affair with drinking was making me more anxious and less able to manage my responsibilities. In this podcast, my goal is to teach you the tried and true secrets of creating and living a life you don't want to escape from. Each week, I'll bring you tools, lessons, and conversations to help you drink less and live more. I'll teach you how to navigate our drinking-obsessed culture without a buzz, how to sit with your emotions when you're lonely or angry, frustrated or overwhelmed, how to self-soothe without a drink, and how to turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst-case scenario to the best decision of your life. I am so glad you're here. Now let's get started. Hey there. I've got some big news for you that I have been not so patiently waiting to tell you about. After six months away, my super popular, completely free masterclass is back and it's better than ever. I've been working on it for months. So if you have been struggling to get sober momentum, please go to hellosomedaycoaching.com forward slash class. You can sign up for my free training, Five Secrets to Taking a Break from Drinking, even if you've tried and failed in the past. In this 60-minute masterclass, I am going to share with you all the things you need to stop doing because they're setting you up for self-sabotage and what you need to start doing instead. I am giving you the steps and the mindset shifts that I go through every day with my private coaching clients, and it is completely free. So if you are sober curious, if you've been thinking about taking a break from alcohol, this class is going to set you up for success. I promise you it is worth your time. So hit pause on this episode, go to hellosomedaycoaching.com forward slash class and save your seat. Hi there. Today we are talking about sober travel and how to plan the absolute best alcohol-free vacation. We need to do sober travel right. And I am so excited about my guest. She is a very good friend of mine and she is the expert on sober travel. Going on one of her trips is a bucket list item for me, and I'm just trying to pick the right one. So I'll tell you a little bit about her. Margaret Ward connects women through travel. She offers travel experiences that will allow you to rediscover and challenge yourself in ways you hadn't thought possible. If you're looking for one-on-one guidance on how to embrace traveling without alcohol, Coaching is the answer, and Margaret can help you do that. Her trips are incredible to Croatia and Greece and Iceland and Norway and all the places, and she helps you discover how traveling without alcohol can enhance your experiences instead of being a stumbling block. I could tell you so much more about Margaret, but I just want to bring her on and have her give us 
all the advice so that you can really look forward to traveling alcohol-free. So Margaret, welcome. I'm so happy you're here. Casey, you made me sound so good. Could I hire you for like my marketing? I'm like, is that me she's talking about? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good. <laughs> of course it's you. And just so everyone knows, Margaret and I have taken a trip together. We went on a yoga retreat at the beach in Mexico, which was amazing. And we spent a whole lot of time playing Uno and laughing hysterically like we were 16-year-olds at camp. Is that about right? Yeah, if I remember it correctly, though, we had to force you to play Uno. Yeah, You were that's- a little reluctant at first. <laughs> That's because at the time I had a seven-year-old who wanted to play Uno every night and I was on vacation. Yeah. Next time I'm now, I'm now into backgammon. I'm a huge, hugely addicted to backgammon now. So I have to bring a board. I'll have to check a bag, I think, from now on because I just want to play backgammon nonstop. It's so great. I've actually never played backgammon. So interesting, but that's not what we're talking about. So I'm excited for this episode. Margaret and I actually were talking for about 30 minutes before we jumped on, just catching up on all the things. But she is going to take us through how to do sober travel right, how to be confident traveling without alcohol. I know for so many women, including myself, it is terrifying. It is something that even if you have some sober momentum, your mind can convince you that, oh, I'm just going to visit drink on this trip this week, and then I'm going to get back into it. And that is a really big mistake, first of all, because I know many, many women who decide to drink for a week, and it takes them months or years to get back on the sobriety path. It is not that easy once you drink for a while to draw that line in the sand. But also because sober travel is amazing. My first trip alcohol-free after I stopped drinking was I went to Venice and Croatia with my whole family, including my mother and my sister, when I was four months alcohol-free. And I was a red wine girl. So Italy without red wine was pretty much unimaginable. I'd been there drinking many times before, but it was amazing. My coach told me that I would love sober travel and she wished that she could do every vacation she'd done drinking alcohol-free. And now I couldn't agree with her more. Yeah, that's so true. And I think for so many people, I know it was my experience that the idea of traveling sober was one of the biggest stumbling blocks that prevented me from gaining momentum and staying sober. Because I, like you said, I would just say, oh, well, how am I going to get sober if I have this trip coming up in two months? Like, I'll just wait until after this trip. But I also wanted to, to, before we get into talking about how to do sober travel, just say, explain sober travel. Um, travel does not just mean, you know, going on the week-long vacation to the beach or travel encompasses so many different things. I know for a lot of women have to travel for work. A lot of people have to travel, um, you know, if they're going to weddings, it, it, you know, so it encompasses so much more or a long weekend to visit parents or, you know, it's, it's so much more than just that, you know, summer vacation that we think about. So I I think it's really helpful to have this discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, business trips 
airports can be really a place where lots and lots of people drink. And I know I have a whole lot of strategies to go through airports and on business trips without drinking. I did it um, when I was in early sobriety. I mean, even going away for the weekend, I have clients whose daughters or kids or sons are on sort of travel lacrosse teams and soccer teams or um, are just taking road trips and are in a hotel with their spouse. Um, and oh my God, don't even talk about traveling for the holidays and going home to family. Yeah, so exactly. There is a lot involved in, I feel like it's almost two subjects, traveling sober and alcohol-free vacations. Yes. Yes, I would agree. The, I, the two biggest things that I hear women talking to me about are airports. Airports are a big stressor and traveling for business or with family. I mean, those seem to be like the biggest and going to, you know, beaches because beaches are always some for some reason associated with with drinking. Right. Yeah. I mean, traveling general is associated with beach, you know, with drinking because of the advertisements and the way that it's you know, portrayed in the media. That's all they, they show is, you know, people drinking their little pina coladas on the beach, but then they don't show the after effects where you're falling asleep, you know, at four o'clock and not being able to enjoy the rest of your vacation and then missing your plane. Yeah. Oh my God. I, well, I drank all the time every night, but like morning flights hungover. I think I was hungover for every morning flight in my life. So brutal. I mean, there is literally literally nothing worse, right? Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and so so I've got some strategies. Yeah. So we were going to talk about two different things. One, five things to do before you travel, five things to do when you're traveling. Let's dig into, oh my God, your trips, total bucket list, because I had to tell you that my seven-year anniversary was coming up like next week and I had nothing planned and I was feeling very bummed about it. And so getting on the call with you and your energy. I've written down a bunch of ideas of things I can do. You always get me out of my funk, which is awesome. And we're going to talk about um, ideas, what we're scared of, hurdles to overcome, airports, all the things. Yeah. So I would say, um, so let's dive into the five things to do before you go. My number one piece of advice is do your research. You know, there are certain places to travel to that are way better than, and it all depends, you know, where you are in your sobriety too. So, you know, but we'll focus on somebody who maybe is newly sober. You know, research that place you're going to go. Maybe not going to an all-inclusive resort is the best thing to do when you're maybe a month sober or even six months sober or fuck it, even like five years sober. I don't know. I just have a thing against all-inclusive resorts. Um, but if you sh- your thing's fine, there's ways that you can go about traveling to one too. But I would say in the beginning, maybe not the best idea. But there are places that are more, um, are maybe better for the newly sober. You know, ones where you can go outside and exercise where nature is more of a, is the more easier to do newly sober. Um, also places where drinking isn't for religious reasons, you know. You know, in the Middle East or places, there, there's lots of places where where drinking is is not the focus for travel. Also, Scandinavian countries, 
it's very expensive to drink there. So you're not going to be that tempted to drink in those countries. But not just researching places, research all the different activities that you can do there. Like do these things before you go. So when you get there, you have an idea of the things you want to do, what's available. Um, look at restaurant menus, look at places that you can go for coffee, look at their drink menus so that when you go, you'll know, you know, what your options are. And all this you can do. I mean, the internet is great, right? You can do all this online before you go so that you're not shocked when you get there and say, where am I going to go to dinner tonight? And you're already hungry. And it's more likely that you're going to be tempted then to just stop somewhere. And oh, doesn't that drink look nice? I'll get it. I would, I completely and totally agree. And I mean, one of the things that I do when I'm traveling now, and this is domestically, internationally, business trips, anything at all, is look online, do my research, but also think about the destination and your schedule. So for example, you know, I used to go on every anniversary trip with my husband to wine tasting regions. And, you know, just in our state, in Oregon, in Washington, in California, Australia, Italy, you name it. And one of the things I do is when I'm traveling, now that I don't drink, I pick where we're going to go. And I pick someplace that is going to be fun for me. So for example, if you are planning a trip, don't go to Sonoma or Napa. They are beautiful. Now that I am a couple years out, I could definitely go there and enjoy it and not drink. But go to a place where the entire experience isn't centered around alcohol. So for example, instead of going to Sonoma or Napa, I would go to Santa Barbara, or I would go to Laguna Beach. Of course, there's wine available anywhere, but you can go hiking, you can go to the beach and hang up by the water. There are great sushi restaurants. I was a wine girl. Sushi is not the main thing. You can rent bikes. We went to Amsterdam and went on a bike tour or go to Greece and go on a walking tour, you know? Exactly. I mean, I'm not saying that you can't go to those places because people always think like, say, Italy, for example, oh, I can never go to Italy if I'm if I don't drink anymore. That's bullshit, because there are so many things to do in Italy that aren't focused on drinking. But you got to do your research, research first, you know, olive oil testing. That's what we did in Italy. Instead of wine tasting, olive oil testing. Who would have knew? Yeah, you know, love that. I love Pinterest. And What I like to do is wherever you're going, I search for a couple things. One thing I search for is the best coffee shops um, because that's exciting. And I mean, I'm a coffee girl, but it also gets you to really interesting areas. I actually love searching for the most Instagrammable places. I'm a (laughs) photographer, but undoubtedly, undoubtedly, whatever the word is, it will get you to a beautiful destination that you can plan the day around. I mean, flower markets, farmers markets, just don't get on Pinterest and look for the most romantic restaurants or the best cocktail bars or the best nightclub scenes. You can get to those places, but like you want a wealth of ideas that are not going to be centered around alcohol just to expand your horizons. I also love like going with kids, like Paris with kids, Venice with kids, not because you want to be surrounded by children all the time. And you don't even have to be going with children or have children, but you will find a greater wealth of destinations that are not centered around alcohol. And then you can decide 
if this looks great, kids or no kids? It'll give you great ideas of things to do once you go there, too. Like, I, I'm sorry, scavenger hunts just aren't for little kids. It's like grown up scavenger hunts are super fun. Like, a scavenger hunt in the Louvre, like, to me, Did that you is do like that? the best. Are you kidding me? No, but I, I want to. <laughs> yeah. When I went to Paris, I went on a photography walking tour and, you know, just had my iPhone. I did photography in high school and college. And they showed us all the coolest like angles and reflections, like, you know, the place you go in Paris to get the picture of the Ferris wheel in the background of the hotel sign in the reflection from that angle. And walking is incredible. So like, all of that stuff is pretty awesome. I love morning activities too. I used to be so hungover. Like when we were in Paris, we went on a Vespa tour where we got on a Vespa. Thank God my husband drove. It was supposed to be a big group. We were the only ones who showed up because it started at 8 a.m. And we rode on the scooter to Versailles and had lunch with this like ridiculously hot Australian Vespa guide that I was like, thoroughly amused by. He had great stories. But you know, like, you do not have to drink to have an incredible time. Yeah, another great place to look is, um, it's my favorite place, TripAdvisor Forums. You go in uh, that I mean, they have one for every single place in the world. If you just go on their forums, and you I don't even ask questions, I just go through and search and you'll get all your answers and great like advice on places to go and restaurants. I mean, you'll get so much information. So that's it. Research. All right. Number two. Number two is before you go, list out all your possible triggers. Like think of through now that you've planned your vacation, think through each day and think of where you might, you know, have a stressful moment or you, you know, what's one area that you think, oh, that's a time when I might be thinking I want to drink. You know, think that out ahead of time, write it out and come up with a plan for those, you know, those possible triggers. Like I said, one big trigger for people is airports. So think of, just think in your mind how you're going to be walking through that airport, where you're going to go, what you're going to do ahead of time. So you're not caught off by surprise. Airports can be stressful for a lot of people. Make them less stressful. Like there's things to do to make these things less stressful. Get TSA, you know, I, I tell everybody it's inexpensive. It's going to make your time in an airport so less stressful. Um, that's just one idea. You know, airports are great places. There's so many more things to do in them now than there used to be. I was just in JFK. Uh, there were four massage places that I, you know, within like one terminal, four different that places is, for massage. That is my number one favorite thing to do, including when I used to go on business trips, which feels weird because you go with a group of colleagues and we would always go to the bar and we would always talk and regroup at when we were flying home. And what I generally do is be like, I will meet you there after I am a working mom. I never have time to get a massage. I'm just going to go put my name on the list. And those massages sometimes are really good. They're a little expensive, but so is money at a bar. And by the way, you're not drinking and you need sober treats. So I get the massage. I go and buy peanut M&Ms, which are my favorite. I go and buy novels. Sometimes airports have great little jewelry shops. 
to shop in in Seattle, there's even a Mac store. I mean, I don't get to oh, there's so much a lot. When I was drinking, I used alcohol to calm my mind, to relieve anxiety and to sleep well at the end of a busy day. I didn't know that alcohol actually spiked my stress hormone, increased anxiety, and as little as one glass of wine a night reduced my sleep quality by 24%. I was really excited to find Tanasi, a better way to find calm, rest, relief, and to reduce inflammation. Tanasi creates the highest quality, scientifically validated CBD and hemp extract products. Tanasi's formula includes a unique combination of CBD and CBDA in every dose, which is two times more effective than just CBD alone. So if you want to create a sense of calm, to calm your mind, to relax before bed for a great night of sleep, try Tanasi. Tanasi's being really generous with our listeners. You can go to Tanasi.com and use code HELLO to get 25% off at checkout right now. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with the promo code HELLO and get ready to sleep well. My latest find, and this was in JFK too, was they had a IV. You could get an IV for vitamins, like, and get hydrated. I'm like, what? I'm like, I, there's so many things now popping up in airports instead of bars. I mean, they're still there, but there's so much to do. In Paris, there's a place in one terminal called the Catnap Area. It has this huge statue of a cat and then the most beautiful lounge chairs where, like, you can just go and take a nap, a cat nap. I mean, if you, you, there's so much to do. Yeah. And my favorite thing to do, I'm very strange, is I like to try and take pictures with people who are sleeping. No, you just, don't. Yes, I do. I swear to God. Um, I forget there was one reality TV guy, and he used to do it and post it on his Instagram. It would crack me up. So now that's my favorite thing to do is try it. And you got to try and get it without them seeing you taking it, of course. Yeah. But it's so fun. You can, it's, it's really weird. It's creepy. It's really creepy. But you <laughs> can, you can like literally spend hours just like going around and trying to find like people who are sleeping and like taking a selfie with them. Really yeah. funny. No, I me. love that. That's a lot of time to kill in airports. <laughs> yeah. Well, you travel all the time. But yeah, I mean, I think planning ahead. Also, I text a lot with my clients when they're in airports after they plan ahead. You don't have to have a coach to do that. There are tons yeah. of, you know, my favorite free Facebook group is the BFB. You can find a guide to find it on my site, but people post there all the time like, oh my God, I'm in the airport. There's a bar in front of me. Don't go hungry. And like when you get on, especially people say if they're in first class or business class, even in coach, they'll come by and be like, oh, do you want wine or beer? I just say right off the bat, actually, I don't drink. What do you have that's awesome that's non-alcoholic? It's that immediate accountability. It is not a giant label. And it's really hard yeah. to ask for a glass of completely crap wine in a plastic cup just saying it's <laughs> not that amazing um after you're like actually I don't drink what else do you have 
And you'll, you just never know. You'll like have the best conversations with people. On my last flight home just a couple of days ago, I said that to the flight attendant right as we boarded. I said, you know, I don't, so don't offer me wine. And um, she didn't drink either. So, like, we had this little secret thing between us for the entire flight, you know, and we ended up having a great conversation and we took each other's information. I mean, you just never know if you're open about it. There's so many other people who, you know, you're not the only one. You are so you don't have to worry about that. the only one. And yeah. like you really connect with people. I mean, if you like people and talking to people, it's actually kind of awesome. Yeah, it is. Um, the other big stressor I find is, and this is something you want to figure out ahead of time, is if you're traveling with family or friends who are also drinking. You you want to plan that out ahead of time. You know, if if you're traveling with other people, either have a conversation with them ahead of time if you're comfortable doing that or get your own place. You know, if possible, get your own room, get your own Airbnb, just have your own space to do that in. Yeah, I completely agree because um, I I think the hardest thing is when people go with family, if they go on a vacation to the beach or if they go with a group of friends, um, being you want your exposure to alcohol because any kind of willpower is somewhat finite. To be limited, you do need a place to retreat and you can use any excuse you want. Like your spouse doesn't sleep well or you're really trying to do X or your kids need to do Y or you don't want to impose or even like, oh, gosh, I'm coming to this town and there is the cool hotel and I really want to stay there. So I'm going to take advantage, you know, whatever it is. And just spend the money, you will be so much happier because there's nothing worse. I mean, it's one thing to go over in the afternoon and to be around for dinner and for people to drink and to bow out at 8 p.m. It is another thing to have to be around them till 11 p.m. and to be there all day with the alcohol lined up on the counter. Yeah. And use kids. Kids are a great excuse, too. If you have kids, say, you know what? Our kids go to bed early, you know, they're on a different schedule. So, but if it's impossible, if there's like no way to have your own space and at least have someone there, if not there, like on an online group who you've told ahead of time. I mean, it's so powerful to say it out loud and just know that there's somebody who's got your back. For me, it was always my sister-in-law and we'd be out and she would just give me a little wink, you know, if there was yeah. a lot of alcohol around and it would mean so much and it would make all the difference. It would just be like, yeah, somebody's there who's got my back who knows that this is difficult and who is understanding, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I completely yeah. agree. And even if you don't make a big deal about it, meaning like, you know, it doesn't have to be, oh my God, I'm not drinking because there's some issue or some big deal. I mean, you can tell anyone I told my husband, you know, hey, I'm I'm still doing my alcohol-free challenge. So, like, this might be a little hard yeah. for me. It would be really cool if you could support me, you know? Yeah, and, yeah whatever it takes. You, yeah. yeah, tell them anything. Yeah, does not have to be a big deal. All right, yeah. that's cool. All right, number three is to pack a sober toolkit. So, a, I call it a sober travel toolkit, but it's the same as a sober toolkit, you know? Um, it's things that are going to help you on your trip. And this is going to be different for everybody. So I'll just go through some things that were helpful for me. Um, I use essential oils. So I make sure that I pack my favorite essential oils. Make sure you don't overdo them on a plane because I've heard that 
uh, not everybody around you on a plane will appreciate the lavender that like you douse yourself in. But like I would put it on like when we were wearing face masks, I'd put some on the inside of the face mask or I have lavender um, cleaning towelettes I use, you know. Anyway, so essential oils. And that's because lavender is calming, right? It's calming. Peppermint is also great because I'm prone to getting headaches from being dehydrated. So like drops of peppermint on my temples when traveling is is also really good. And it also Um, just feels nurturing. Like you're doing something to take care of yourself. Exactly. Uh, Earplugs. Earplugs are, are big for me because noise can be stressful to me and like some I have a, a misophonia sounds really bother me, like doing bubble gum and, you know, uh, people chewing like the, the sounds are really. Oh, my God. By the way, stressful. I did an episode on highly sensitive people and also ADHD, which people are really prone to struggle with addiction. Um, if you have ADHD, but also so many of us who drink and I count myself in this category of highly sensitive people, just yeah. to the energy around us, but also to sound and being overstimulated. I think one of the reasons that we drink is to dull everything around us just a bit. So hundred percent earplugs. I mean, when my baby was screaming, I used to put in earplugs while I was holding him just to like take it down a notch, right? Yeah. Which is what drinking does as well. So I love that. Yeah. And especially in a stressful environment, because I mean, traveling can be stressful. So do you just, the goal is to eliminate as much stress as possible. Yeah. So yeah, the earphones, the eye, you know, the eye shields, the make, bring a comfy blanket, one that, you know, is nice and soft for yourself. Um, if your phone is a great tool to have while you're traveling, I download, you know, all the Quitlet podcasts, you, you know, your favorite music, you know, have that so that when you're, you're out on a morning walk, whatever, you'll have something to listen to and keep you motivated. Um, but like I said, everybody's, everybody's toolkit is going to be different. I pack my favorite teas because most places I go don't have my favorite teas. So I make sure that I have them while, while traveling. Anything that is going to help you be less stressed while traveling, packing that toolkit. I also would say pack like snacks and food. For sure. I, hunger for me is like the worst trigger ever. Like I'm just, your blood sugar's down. You don't make good decisions. Like my whole family, like I'll be doing something. I'll be like, I'm really hungry. And they'll just be like, dude, go eat. Cause nobody like you don't make good decisions. But my God, going into an airport bar when you're starving and like looking around for a table and then they come over, like, just don't be too hungry. Yeah, that's in my during your trip. One of the things on my list is stay hydrated and remember to eat. Yes. Because you, you, you won't, you won't remember. You'll be busy. And like, those are two of the biggest triggers are sometimes you just need a fucking glass of water, but yes. you're, you don't realize that. And so you're like, I need something, you know, a drink, but you really just need to hydrate and have a little bit of protein, you yes. know? So yes, definitely pack like some, some good snacks for you. Yes. Nuts, really good protein too. Like sugary things. I, I love sweetest fish. I down them when I'm traveling sometimes, but I also have some nuts. Good protein that's going to fill you up so you don't get those pangs of hunger for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So on to the next thing. Ask your hotel or Airbnb ahead of time not to have wine or alcohol in the room. It's such an easy thing to do, but a lot of people don't think to do it. 
I mean, I can't tell you how many times I showed up at an Airbnb and the host was just being nice with a bottle of wine there. But it would have been so easy to just message ahead of time and say, um, I, I don't drink, so no need to, you know, have any alcohol. Yeah, easy. I do that oh, too. Thing. And it, um, it is really easy. And if you read the Airbnb descriptions, sometimes people will be like, they were so nice. There was a bottle of wine here, which is yeah. great. But I also write ahead, like, you know, you send them notes and just say, hey, I don't drink. So if you don't mind, please don't include the wine. And if you have anything non-alcoholic, that would be incredible. Um, super easy. They All they yeah. care about is that you're happy, truly. They don't give a shit if you drink wine yeah. or not. Um, I have to say that I also went to Amsterdam and I had messaged ahead. And we walked into this. I mean, my God, it was a sea uh, merchant's. 1800 canal house. I mean, it was someone lived there. It was like, we got a certain floor of it. It was incredible. And there was this bottle of wine with two glasses, red wine, um, on the table when I walked no. in and I was just, I like, you know, I was actually like five years sober. So I just noted it. And then I went to the restroom cause I desperately had to go to the restroom and I came out and it was gone. Like my husband's the best ever, you know, he just, took it away. Like I wasn't even like, this is hard for me. And the weirdest thing was I kind of forgot about it. And I came, you know, we were packing up and I'm double checking all the drawers and I pulled out this bottom drawer and there's a bottle of wine in there. And I was like, Mike, this is so weird. Like I had forgotten. And he was like, dude, I put it in there, but I mean, <laughs> it's better not to have it there, but if it's there, yeah, just get rid of it. Just be like, actually, I'm not going to drink this. Let me hand it back to yeah. you. And hotels. Well they get that request all the time. This is not a big deal. It's not a big deal. I was just in a hotel a couple nights ago and I walked in and there was a bottle of red wine there and they had a nice little note saying, and get this, Casey, it said, we know travel can be stressful. So here's some wine. I'm like, well, let's just add fuel to the fire by having some wine. Like, yes, but they don't get it. They're trying to be nice. But instead of just saying, oh, I just won't drink it. I called down to room service. I said, you know what? I don't drink. Can I have something else? They brought up a beautiful couple of bottles of seltzer instead. So I'm like, you know, I still want something. If you're going to give me something, I want something. But you can just call. It took like two seconds. And they took that away, gave me something else. Well, and it's the idea of just being trapped with alcohol in your room. It's this elephant in the room. It's within arm's length. Like, just get rid of it. Like, just Just don't have it there. You just want to make life easier for you. Exactly. And that's something you can do ahead of time, like super easy, you know, just eliminate that as uh, even an issue. Okay, let's see. Um, last thing is to plan. You already talked about this plan for morning activities. Mornings are the fucking best when you're sober. You will have the entire city wherever you're traveling to yourself. And it's a time when you will feel like not drinking the night before you are superhuman. Like I feel like that. And when I wake up and I'm the only one out in a city, you know, I'm like, I am great. It just like boosts you so much. And you can go and have coffee and like, actually like sit with like people on their way to work who live there, you know, bring your journal. You can go for a run. I signed up for a a running, um, a run once in Copenhagen and I was the only one who showed up and I was like, oh shit. But I had a private tour run, like watching the sun come up in Copenhagen. Like it's something I'll remember forever. 
But there's so many activities that are great in the morning that you can plan. And that's something you can do ahead of time. And then if you have it planned ahead of time, you're not going to renege on it, especially if you pay for it. You know, if it's an activity you pay for. And the night before, you're going to say, I have this to do in the morning. It's also a great excuse to tell people, I have this planned for the morning, so I'm going to bed early. Um, It's just a win-win, win-win situation. I completely agree. And that's something I did on my first trip sober. Like I said, I was in Venice at four months. I mean, it was really hard for me. But I set my alarm early. I I love photography, always have, and not because I'm like a fantastic photographer, um, although I have pictures all over my house that I took in different <laughs> places, but um, got up and walked the canals when they were empty. Do you know how hard it is to walk in Venice without all the tourists? It was gorgeous. The morning light was gorgeous. There is nothing cooler than sitting in a cafe and having a fantastic coffee and breakfast alone, just observing people. I mean, and this does not have to be an exotic vacation. You could go to friggin' Minneapolis and walk around in the quiet morning, taking pictures of anything. You could do it in Cincinnati, Ohio on a business trip. Still great breakfast. I mean, breakfast is my favorite meal. Like, waffles, eggs, coffee, pastries, like anything, right? Like they always say joy comes in the morning when you're sober, joy comes in the morning. Oh, definitely. I woke up on New Year's Day in New York City. New York City is usually packed. There was no one. Like I was walking in the middle of the streets alone and it just like made you want to sing out loud. I was like, this is incredible. Like this is incredible. I was seeing people coming home from the night before and I'm like, I feel great. Like, I feel great. And yeah, uh, yeah nothing like sober mornings, really. Yeah. And, and I did that in Mexico, trip, too. What a way like, to start the day. Yeah, everybody worries about Mexico, about resorts. I've been there many times not drinking. Um, to be fair, also, like, you were on vacation rest. So many people come back from yeah. vacation more tired than they left if they're drinking. But I would just get up early and have coffee and go sit on the beach in this quiet morning, you know, and get yeah. the freaking best lounge chairs ever and just observe <laughs> and walk the beach without all the people. I mean, incredible. Life is good. Yeah. Life is freaking good, right? Okay, moving on. Things you can do while you're on vacation. Stick to your routine. Like, especially if you're newly sober, like stick to your routine as closely as possible. Like if when you're home, you get up you have your coffee, you take your vitamins, you go for a run, try and stick to that while you're on vacation too. If you try and throw your whole schedule off, you're more likely to be susceptible to having a drink, you know, because it'll stress your body out. So stay as close to your schedule as as possible. If you work out at home, work out while you're on vacation. Um, If you go to bed at a certain hour at home, go to bed at the same time while on your vacation. It can be so tempting, like to think, I have a limited amount of time, I'm going to pack in everything and do everything. But in the end, you're just going to really um, exhaust yourself. Yeah. So try to just uh, enjoy everything you can, but stick to that routine as much as possible. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I don't know about you, but I cannot believe how fast this year is flying by. We're all busy. But one of the most important things you can do to make sure you're on the right path 
is to carve out some time to celebrate your victories and to notice what you've wanted to change but haven't been able to yet. Whether you're navigating sobriety, setting boundaries, or striving to be the best version of yourself, therapy can be a game changer. Therapy is for anyone looking for growth and support. And if you're considering it, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's convenient, it's flexible, and it's entirely online. So take a moment for yourself and visit betterhelp.com forward slash someday to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash someday. All right, moving on. Uh, what we said before, stay hydrated and remember to eat. Like a lot of the times you're going to be tempted to drink and you'll realize it's just because you've been going all day and forgot to drink water and forgot to have lunch. And then you find yourself at five o'clock and you're stressed and you're hungry and your defenses will be down, you know? Yeah. So stay, even if you have to set reminders in your phone, I like, love reminder reminders. I love it. Yeah. And eat before you're hungry, like for yeah. real. I mean, that's one of the things that I think so many women, cause we're raised in this diet culture that's so fucked up. Like we're like, <laughs> Oh no, I don't want to eat before I'm hungry. If you eat before you're hungry, you will make better decisions. And that does not mean stuff yourself. It's just, I mean, I honestly like 1030 in the morning, if I get up early and work out and have a smoothie at 730, I'm like, I'm fucking hungry. I'm going to eat something, yeah. you know, like, so just don't get starving. And also when you're traveling, I don't care if it's a business trip. I don't care if it's a vacation. It, you will never eat at like, by the time you're hungry, it's going to be an hour like, before you yeah. like full stop. So if you're going to a business dinner, eat something before you go. If you're going out to a restaurant, eat something before you go, not to ruin your appetite, but so you don't sit there for an hour starving. Yeah. Yeah. And that's usually for me, the hardest time I know when in the beginning of sobriety, the hardest, hardest part for me of going out to eat was the ordering your food. And then that time when you, you were waiting for your food yeah. to come, just sitting there, because that's the time that I would usually have a drink to, you know, a drink, and three, without that, whatever, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so yeah, prepare yourself for that and order, order something fun, you know, or do something fun for yourself. In the spirit of just putting it out there, and I think this is like the whole normalized sobriety, remove the stigma, think about it like you're a vegetarian, don't take on all this weight around not drinking. Someone comes to my table and I literally am like, I don't drink. Do you have anything fun on the menu that's non-alcoholic? Yes. Full stop. That is what I say. And if they're like, uh, I don't know, I'm like, will you ask your bartender? Like, yeah. boom. And also, I also like decaf coffee or cappuccino. Like, it makes me feel all sophisticated, you know, like, that's <laughs> cool, too, you know. Yeah, and people, it's not that big of a deal. Like, it's really not that big of a deal. Like, waiters, waitresses, they just want to make you happy, too, you know, at least most of them, most of them. Yeah, and if the waiter is like 18 years old and has no clue or 21 and is like blank faced, just be like, fine, have a Diet Coke. Like, just move on, you know? 
I remember once we were at a restaurant up in, and we were in the U.S., we were in Maine, and I asked for a ginger beer and cranberry, and she was like, had no clue what ginger beer was, and she was like, no, 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 and I was like, yes, can you just please ask, like, just ask. She was so excited that she found out, she's like, oh my God, we do have ginger beer, and I can't believe it's non-alcoholic, and it tastes great, so, you know, just ask. Um, On the same lines, this is a tip I tell people, is Eat your main meal at lunch. And a lot of people are like, why the hell would we do that? And I'm like, here's why. For me, the biggest time of the day when I would be susceptible to drink was dinner time. And it's because, you know, people are hanging around. It's that time of day when, you know, that those voices started in my head. Um, you're out with a lot of people usually. That's when other people are usually drinking more is at dinner time. So I like going and having my main meal at lunch. First of all, it's less expensive. And you're going to be less likely to be triggered to drink. So then, you know, nighttime comes, you can just grab a quick bite. If you're on Airbnb, you can cook for yourself. You know, you don't have that sitting around with other people, seeing everybody else drink. It's just something I recommend, you know. I think that is great advice. All right, let's see. Um, Two more things. Treat yourself. Like we've already talked about this a little bit, but I know you're the sober treat queen. I mean, you're on vacation, you're not drinking, freaking treat yourself, you know, don't get the spa treatment, go and do an excursion like that, you know, something you've always wanted to do, spend the money on your own place, like treat yourself, you're doing this great big thing that is awesome. So treat yourself, you know? Yeah, I completely agree. And so I always, you know, when people are going on trips, I want them to plan for the evening. Whether, you know, I work with a nurse who travels a ton and goes to hospitals and works for a really long time. And so she looks at, you know, whether she likes Orange Theory or she likes yoga or Pilates, she plans for a workout, you know, in the evening. So, you know, you eat something before you go to this workout, you get the great endorphins, you've done something for your health. When people ask you, you have something to say, most of the time they're like, damn, I should do that, right? They're like, aren't you so incredible and disciplined and amazing? Sometimes she bows out of stuff to say that she's got a lot of work to do and goes to a fucking movie, you know, like go to a movie. I am the queen of white lies. So, you know, in terms of like staying sober with people who want you to do shit you don't want to do, actually, I should say. I'm the queen of saying no to shit I don't want to do and don't mind giving a white lie to do it. Um, I have another client who's going to Singapore, newly sober. Right now she's there on a big business trip. I'm like, can you get out of anything? First reaction, absolutely not. I plan all this shit. I can't. It's critical. And then, you know, suddenly she was like, actually, I could probably bow out of this one dinner and she's going to the spa. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, do more than your knee jerk. This is going to suck, et cetera. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, boundaries are great. But, you know, if you if you aren't used to setting boundaries, then there's other things you can do, you know, Um, and that that kind of leads into my last bit of advice, which is more, you know, not action oriented, but check your mindset. You know, a lot of us go into these vacations thinking, oh, I'm not going to be drinking. I'm going to feel left out. I'm going to be depriving myself. This isn't going to be fun. And if you just flip that a little bit and say, you know what, instead of I don't get to drink, I don't have to drink. And 
how is this going to enhance my vacation? How is this going to enhance my work trip? It makes a big difference. You know, just like how you view things um, yourself can make a big difference. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think part of that, too, and I say this all the time, is treat this like an experiment, right? Like, you know what drinking vacations are like. You know the good and the bad. You know the romantic and the not. Just observe what it's like to do it alcohol-free. And another client of mine went to Hawaii with a girlfriend when she was sober and she was observing it and she wrote me and she was like, yeah, last night was kind of hard, right? Like we went out to this beach restaurant. My friend was having a drink. I definitely wanted to. I didn't. Um, She had a couple. Yes, that was hard, period. And we were supposed to go up a hike this mountain the next day. And the next morning she was like, actually, I think I just want to relax. You know, I mean, I've pulled that move a million times. She just had had a couple drinks, maybe wasn't feeling all that active, didn't want to go. Client went by herself and sent me a picture and was like, I will remember this hike, this moment for the rest of my life. And her observation was, I did feel like I missed out on X, but I never in my life would have done this if. I hadn't not been drinking, I wouldn't have gone on a hike by myself. I would have been like, yeah, let's chill and get cocktails at the swim up bar, you know? I love that story so much. It reminds me early on in sobriety, I listened to a podcast um, and it, you know, the person who, who said this um, and he was talking about how each new experience, treat each new experience as, you know, we're creating new neural pathways. And he was like, literally imagine in your brain, you know, what is going on as this new experience is taking place. It's forming a new neural pathway. And he was like, think of it as like a a dog running in the same path. And the more you do it, the deeper that groove is going to become and the easier it's going to be. So every trip I went on in the early, you know, when I was nearly sober, I would visualize, literally visualize these new neural pathways taking place. And it got easier and easier, you know, so you know, even if it may be difficult the first time, the next time, just think it's not going to be as difficult because, you know, it's yeah. it's not going to be something new. Every first is going to be a little challenging, but you'll learn something and know what to do next time. Oh, my gosh. Can we talk about perimenopause, menopause and postmenopause for a minute? I am 48. So if you are going through it, I'm right there with you. I mean, hot flashes and night sweats racing thoughts, the low moods, the poor sleep. It is not cool. And that's why I was really excited to find a supplement called Hormone Harmony by Happy Mammoth. It contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like those super fun hormonal changes. It helps reduce menopause symptoms head on. And if you're interested in trying it, you can use the code HELLO for 15% off your first order. Women cannot stop raving about it on social media, but the biggest benefit is the simplest, feeling like yourself again. So if you're going through this like I'm going through this, for a limited time, you can get 15% off your first order at Happy Mammoth. Dot com with promo code hello that's happy m a m m o t h dot com 
and use promo code HELLO for 15% off your first order. And you'll be able to observe things in a new light. I mean, I remember, I keep coming back to this because it was so early in my sobriety. Going to Italy, we had a nice dinner with like cousins, extended family, whatever, in Venice. And then, you know, dinner's over, right? And we had a bunch of kids. My son was eight, cousins were 12 and 14 and, you know, all the ages. I think we had five kids with us between the various families. And all the adults started getting really annoying talking really loud, ordering more drinks. I was frankly bored. Like you get bored when you're sober with drunk people when they're on drink three. And I was this person, right? Just wanting to stay and drink. So they all, the kids all were over it. They went outside to this fountain outside and I went out with them and they were just sort of running around and talking. And um, I could see the people who were drinking through the window, my whole family. And it was rude. Like it was rude to the kids. They were in there for an hour and a half and we were far away from the hotel. So the kids couldn't go home. And, you know, I was this person when I was drinking, but I like bought them these gifts that flew up and lit in the sky. You know, there are all those vendors around and I was so glad I was with them. And I also saw with new eyes that this just drinking kind of sometimes sucks when it goes on too long. And, you know, they're having the same conversation and telling stories that nobody, you know, are embarrassing to various person about when they were 16. And, you know, like, it just kind of like, just, you know, drinking is not always the end all be all is all I'm saying. No, 100% true. My first sober trip, I was 60 days sober. And I went to my nephew's wedding. And it was super uncomfortable. I mean, I, I remember I re- sitting there and being super uncomfortable because everyone was drinking except my daughter who was there. And I was like, how the hell am I going to make it through this? And we left early and my daughter and I went back to the hotel. We had the entire pool to ourselves. And just like what you, the story you just told, I'll never forget this night. It like makes me teary eyed because I was like, if I were drinking, I would be back at that wedding. I would be ignoring my daughter. And we had the most amazing memory building time alone in this hotel pool. We stayed out there for like two hours and talked and laughed. And then the next morning we got up early. We walked on the beach. I mean, none of those things I would have experienced had I been drinking. Weird. You know, and it's only in hindsight so that we can see it. When you're drinking, you miss so much. Yeah. And you don't realize it. And it's not that drinking vacations were always bad. I mean, I always talk about your drinking highlights and your drinking lowlights. Like my drinking highlights were a craft of red wine in the sunshine with my husband in Italy and like observing everything. And, you know, I think it's disingenuous and you screw up your mind when you were like, oh my God, everything about drinking sucks. Like a lot of it is fun. And you are allowed to evolve. And there is also a lot of fun and good and memories, alcohol free. And like, you're going to miss out and never experience them if you don't try. Do you know what I mean? 100%. I love that, Casey. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's true. Like not everything is black and white, right? I mean, it's all in this gray area. So I mean, sometimes they're great, sometimes they're bad. 
for me personally, the bad just started out way to good. <laughs> well, and the other thing I will say is what a lot of people try to do in getting that middle ground between the highlights and the lowlights is quote unquote moderating. And I feel like when you try to do that, you actually miss out on both ends of the spectrum, right? When you are trying to moderate, and we all know this, you are spending so much time and energy thinking about drinking, thinking about how much you'll drink, thinking about water in between, thinking about when your next drink is, thinking about whether you can have three or four or just one. When you let that go is when the creativity and freedom comes in. I think it is so much better to do nothing than to try to do two. Do you know? Well, I do know because I I don't know where I read this, but it's so true. It's like when you commit 98%, it's so much harder than when you commit 100% because 98% leaves that 2% and that leads to decision fatigue. You know, you question yourself every single time. And that's so, so difficult. When you commit 100% and you kind of close off that escape hatch, that that 2% leaves in your brain to saying yes, it just makes life so much easier because you don't aren't faced with redeciding every single day. And there is, there's so many strategies that you can employ to make it easier. Like I always am saying, figure out when the hardest part is going to be. And this can be just going on a road trip with your family or staying with your family for the holidays or a big beach beach vacation or whatever. Typically it's around four o'clock, right? Like you need a break to get through the dinner hour or five or six, whatever it is. And I always say like, communicate that up front, communicate it to your mother, your spouse, your kids, your girlfriends, just be like, and position it in the positive. People are going to play off whatever you say. So it is very easy to say, hey, this is my holiday slash vacation slash whatever it is too. One goal I have for this trip is to take a walk every day at 4 p.m. or get some time to journal or get some time to paint or go to bed early because I am so excited to read two novels. You are setting a boundary. You're letting them know what to expect. So you say to your spouse, hey, I want to do this every day between four and five or five or six. Will you take the kids then? I will switch you out and free you up at 10 a.m. Or you can do X, Y, Z. I'd love to do this. And then each day when you do it, it's not like you're asking a favor each time. It's not like you're inconveniencing them each time. When you go to bed early, you're just like, oh my God, this was a great day. And I cannot wait to bring my cup of hot chocolate or tea to the bedroom because I'm so excited to dive into this novel. People really just want you to be happy. And if you position it as a win, they will position it as a win. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And the main part of that is communicating that. Yes. Like I think people are so scared to communicate our needs that we think we're going to be like imposing on people, but you need to communicate these yeah. to someone. And, you know, I mean, that stupid old phrase, like if mama's not happy, nobody's happy. I feel like so much of the time we grit our teeth because of expectations that we think our spouse or our mother or girlfriends or whoever, like people are like, 
I just feel like it will be such a bummer for her if I go out to dinner with her and don't drink. Okay, that's crazy. You know, and it may be true. And if it is, she is her own issue with alcohol, full stop, because people who do not have a slightly complicated relationship with alcohol really don't care whether you drink or not. But same thing with your mother or your partner, like your partner probably wants a break from the kids too. And you get plenty of time together. So just be like, I'll give you X if you give me Y. Your mother wants to spend time with you, but she doesn't want you to be a total angry bitch or a resentful whatever. So just be like, hey, mom, I am so excited to see you, period. And I really would love to do this for myself on XYZ. Great. Most people will not have a problem with that. And also kids, depending on their age, kids are great, like for holding you accountable or being supportive. Like I know when I got sober, I mean, my daughter was 17. She was awesome. Like she was so supportive. Like, so, you know, don't be scared to tell your kids, you know, that you might need a little help and support there. They will, they will be willing to give it. I promise. Yeah. And I have to say that like, so when we went to Italy, when I quit drinking, my son was eight. Let me tell you, instead of doing my carafe, like I would have a carafe of red, my husband would have a carafe of white, my son would be sitting there bored out of his effing mind as we got silly. We went to Italy and instead of doing like a wine crawl or wine tasting, I did a gelato crawl with him. We went to like every gelato place in Venice, not really, but, and he thought, I was the coolest mom ever. We took pictures of us with every different gelato. Like it was awesome. So, you know, and I remember that to this day. Oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. We did that in Florence too. I mean, how fun a gelato crawl. Come on. So fun. So fun. And so like, and there is a big difference in gelatos. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I'm a chocolate girl, but you know, when in Rome, just kidding, you you try all of them. It's just fun and cool. And you, the whole point is, it's different. And it's good. It is also good. And I can't tell you if someone don't, there will never be a good time to not drink, right? You will always have a wedding, a holiday, an anniversary, a vacation. And yeah, If you're listening to this, it's not all fun. Waking up with a headache and a hangover and talking shit to yourself in the morning and having the judgy looks from people or people being like, oh, is thinking about you this morning. How are you feeling? Like, don't put off not drinking. And if you have sober momentum, it is so precious. Don't throw it away for a week long trip. Yeah. We're going to love sober travel. It takes creativity and effort. So does everything else that's good in life. And, you know, the idea of I will just drink on this one trip and then I will go back to not drinking. I am just telling you it doesn't always happen. And I would say more often than not, it doesn't happen. For Um, sure. I also knew if I went on this trip to Italy, I'd worked so hard to stop drinking, right? It had taken me 20 months of number of day ones and then saying screw it on day four, that I knew that if I drank on this trip, I would always look back 
and be mad at myself. I would always look at every picture and be like, oh yeah, that night I tripped and fell or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No. And I love how you said, you know, you know what it looks like drinking on vacation, treat it as an experiment. Like what does it look like if I'm not? Yeah. I love that. Especially if it's your first time, you know, I think that's a great way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Anything. Oh, first, tell me about all your trips because swear to God, it's on the bucket list. I have, (laughs) tell us the name of your company. Um, I've seen you go to Greece and Croatia and Iceland, and I know you're going to Switzerland. Like, tell me the name, what you do, why they're incredible, the activities. Yeah. So I came up with the idea because I love traveling and I wanted to do more of it. And I went on Early on in sobriety, I went on one trip and was it was such a different experience traveling sober, and I wanted to share it with other women. And so I looked, and there was nothing out there. So I said, "Fuck it, I'll I'll create it myself." So my company is called Afar, which stands for Alcohol Free Adventure Retreat. Um, we go to lots of different places. We're going to Croatia, like you said, Switzerland. Um, I just opened up registration for a Wim Hof retreat in Iceland in September. We're then also going to Greece in September. Um, we do all different kinds of activities. We're going to Norway to see the um, Northern Lights next January, which I just came back from, and it's an incredible place. Um, we're going to be going to the Azores hiking. You know, my my idea is just to, there's a special thing that happens when women get together and travel together specifically. Um, it, it's for a lot of people, it's outside their comfort zone. And when you do that with other women and empower each other, it's just really magical. So, yeah. And I know you create such an incredible environment. Um, the activities you do are amazing. I mean, the places you stay. I, I mean, I think you went to Tuscany, which most people are like, I could never go there and not drink. And the place you stayed was gorgeous. There was this incredible you know, walking through the paths with the trees, olive oil tasting, yoga, pool. I mean, your trips are truly bucket list trips in my mind. And that, yeah. But you know, the thing that I, the thing that I want to say is too, though, you can create those yourself. Like it doesn't have to be far away. It can be just for a weekend. You know, you can, you can do these things nearby your own home. Even you just have to be, become curious. You know, like sometimes I think when we're we're in one place for a long time, living in one place for a long time, we think there's nothing else to do. But if you really actually start exploring, there's so much within your own, you know, little space on earth that you can that you've never thought of doing. Like my husband and I started hiking this past summer. There's so many hikes that we we've been living in Connecticut almost, you know, 20, 30 years. We never knew. So you can, you know, you can create these experiences yourself, too. You don't have to go to Italy, even though I'd love you to come with me, but you can you can do it yourself, too. Yeah. And you do need what I would say is we always talk about sober treats. We always talk about celebrating milestones. And that's because it's important. And there's all this research on the importance of having something to look forward to. And Margaret, we were talking about this. Um, right before we got on this call, because I was like, I need something to look forward to. And the yeah. reason is it brings you happiness, looking forward to it, planning it. It brings happiness during it, and it brings happiness after. Um, I have to say during COVID, I was like sort of losing my shit, like everyone was. And I, my best friend, I called her and I was like, I 
fucking need to get out. Like, I am losing my shit. And she was like, okay, I can't go tomorrow, but what about Saturday? I was like, okay, I meant in the next couple weeks. <laughs> like, I didn't mean tomorrow, but I appreciate you. And so we ended up, I live in Seattle. We went to Whidbey Island, which honestly is like an hour away. We rented a two-bedroom Airbnb on, you know, just this little apartment, but it overlooked the water. We read books. We watched movies. We walked out in the morning and got pastries. It was February. It rained. It was amazing. And so you need to do little things like that. Yes. And by the way, with people who are not your immediate family sometimes. Yes. Yes. I did the same thing this past fall. I just needed something and I hooked up with two other sober women and we went up hiking in New Hampshire and like had a sleepover in a hotel room together. You know, I mean, it's just fun. Stayed up talking until midnight. Yeah. 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 Some things you just need that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So did you tell us your website and is it all women? It is all women. And the reason for that is, um, I think it's just a different environment when you're with all women. You know, you talk about different things. It's it's just a different, and I think it's just really special. Yeah. So, yeah, for now, it's all women. Um, the website is www.asadventureretreats. And I also have a Facebook group called Teetotaling Travelers. Um, that I think it's fabulous. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And you also do sober travel coaching. Tell us about that. I do, because I think, especially for the newly sober, traveling is one of those things that's a stumbling block for people. And if you've never done it before, it really helps just to have someone to walk you through it um, and maybe offer a little accountability for while you're you're on the trip. So I offer both of those things. Yeah, I love that. Like just looking at your own trip, if you have sober momentum, it, it can be a really important investment. I know with my clients, you know, I've had clients go to Paris within three weeks of stopping drinking, going away on a prearranged wine tasting weekend with their mother and girlfriends. Uh, One of mine went to Spain with her 20 year old daughter and two of her daughter's friends or to Mexico or to family, like driving to see stepfather and mother. So big, small in between. Um, the coaching, the preparation can be really helpful. If you have a sober buddy does not need to be a coach. Um, if you're out of the country, I just use WhatsApp. Um, oh yeah. BFB Facebook group, any Facebook group. When I went, um, to Venice, I posted on the daily from Venice on my sober trip. And by the way, like people will love that. They will cheer you on. They will want to see your pictures. They will support you when it's hard. They will laugh at your stories and it's free. The internet is everywhere. And 100%. Remember it. I have people who literally seven years sober and were like on the BFB and they're like, I remember when you went to Venice. I mean, amazing. Well, and it also inspires people. Yeah. That it's possible. The yes. hard part and the good part. I mean, all of it, yeah. you need people who get it. They will cheer you on and they will lift you up and they get it. They, I mean, I can't say how much it matters to have people get it because my husband knew I wasn't drinking. My mom knew I wasn't drinking. They don't get it. Even if they yeah, understand I agree why 100%. they don't get it. No, I would say that is the single most important thing. Yeah. 
All right. You know, I love you. You're one of my sober besties. Thank you. Thank you for coming on and sharing this. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hello Someday podcast. If you're interested in learning more about me, the work I do, and access free resources and guides to help you build a life you love without alcohol, please visit hellosomedaycoaching.com. And I would be so grateful if you would take a few minutes to rate and review this podcast so that more women can find it and join the conversation about drinking less and living more. I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how to's for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.